You're listening to a Sunday morning message from Glory Day Lutheran Church in Houston, Texas. Thanks for joining in. For more information about Glory Day and next steps you can take with us, check out gdlc.org or find us on Facebook and Instagram at GDLC Houston. As I alluded to, well, first of all, before I begin, I just got to tell you thank you. Uh, last week, uh, celebrating my 25th anniversary in the ministry was uh, overwhelming, to say the least. Uh, it's taken me the whole week to go through all the cards that y'all wrote. Uh, so thank you for um, not only the letters of encouragement, the affirmation of my ministry, the gifts. Uh, it, was, it was quite overwhelming. Uh, and I just appreciate from me, my wife, and, and, and our family. And, I don't know when we're going to uh, Grand Canyon, but we're going, so we just got to figure that all out as well. So uh, thank you uh, for that grace extended to me in a powerful way uh, last Sunday. Hey, as we're finishing up our sermon series, which actually we began in January. Was it January? No, it was Mark. At Easter. Man, I'm just trying to keep all my dates straight here. Uh, we will look at the Apostles' Creed. We looked at the first article, God the Father who created us, then the second article, Jesus his son who redeemed us. And, and we're finishing up next week on the third, uh, the third, uh, third article, third installment of the uh, teaching on the third article of the Holy Spirit. And so last week, um, we talked about the Holy Spirit. Pastor Mark shared with us in a very powerful way who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. And so we made that confession already today in that third article which says, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. So as he talked about the Holy Spirit last week, that literally sets us up perfectly for what we're gonna talk about today. Because as we got the gift, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, but we are gathered together as that holy Christian church, and there's this communion on the saints below and the saints above. We also celebrate the forgiveness of sins. I actually talked about that in relation to the second article. And Pastor Randy next week will finish up with the resurrection, the body, and life everlasting. I want to give you our theme verse for the day. It's from Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. It's where Peter makes a confession of who Jesus is. And Jesus says to Peter, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So understand the context. Turn to Matthew chapter 16. First book of the New Testament. And just to give you a little context, on page 822, if you're using the Bibles in front of you, Jesus is, I shared this a couple weeks ago on this, this text, and I want to talk about the back end of it. Remember, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, and people were wondering about Jesus. And so Jesus finally asked the disciples, hey, you're hanging out with these folks. You're hanging out with them every day. You're there while I'm teaching and preaching and doing miracles. And, and what are people saying about me? What, 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 what are they saying? What, what do they think? And they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some said one of the prophets. Now, 
they had good reason to say that because there was actually a teaching that Elijah would return uh, before the Messiah came. And they couldn't quite figure out who this Jesus was. So Jesus had to find out from the disciples themselves. He knew there were so many different ideas and opinions out there circulating that he was gonna be the one who was gonna take them away Roman oppression. He was gonna be an earthly king. He was gonna overthrow the Romans. But what about the disciples? What did they believe? What was their opinion of who Jesus is and what he had came to do? Did they understand his mission? Because would they be able to carry on his work and his labor for his kingdom? Oh, so the people knew that Jesus was set apart, that he was different, but they weren't quite sure the reason. So Jesus says, who do you say I am? And Peter steps up and says, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus then said in verse 18, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's interesting, Jesus was using a play on words right here. Peter in the Greek is a masculine noun, Petros, Rock is a feminine word, Petra. And so what Jesus is saying, I'm not gonna build my church on you, Peter. I'm gonna build my church on the confession that you just made about the true rock, the truth that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Basically, Jesus said, Peter, your name means rock, but you're not the rock on which the church is founded. That rock is my father. Peter, you're gonna be the rock or the initial foundation stone of the whole church. You're gonna be the first one to discover and grasp who I am. Therefore, you're the first stone, one in a tremendous group of living stones that I will call my church. And in ages to come, everyone who makes that same discovery, that same confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, is another living stone added to Christ's church. You see, that's how the church is built. People receive the forgiveness of sins that God offers through his son, Jesus Christ. Forgiveness for people who, who, who think they could never be forgiven. Forgiveness to take away the guilt, the stain, the shame, the anger, the bitterness, the sting of a past mistake. To be washed clean. To be remembered no more. But Jesus said, this is my church. It is to be built on him. And the cross and the empty tomb assure that all believers have an incredible peace, hope, and joy that not only comes with the forgiveness of sins, but the victory that is ours over sin, death, and the evil one. As hard as it is to believe, and I gotta tell you, as a pastor, I struggle with this all the time. 
The church is not to be built on a program or a social ministry or a building or a personality. A pastor. But on the forgiveness of sins and the understanding that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. So we understand, as we talked about last week, the Holy Spirit, the church began on the day of Pentecost. Peter, Peter preaches this incredible sermon. 3,000 people are baptized in one day. The church is growing by leaps and bounds in those early years. But I want to remind you, it's still growing today, even though we may not see it. And so as we talk about the Holy Christian Church, it is set in the foundation of the confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so when I go to Uganda, and I go get to visit our partners in our care point, those are my brothers and sisters in Christ because they have this same confession as part of the church. The challenge is, Jesus said in this text, I will build my church, not you, pastor. Your job, church, is to scatter the seed. I'll make it grow. Which helps us understand why the creed says, I believe in the Holy Spirit, because that's the formation of everything that we're gonna believe and understand. He calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies, meaning he keeps us holy, the whole Christian church on earth, which is the Christian church, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints. When we say holy, it actually comes through a Greek word, agios, which means set apart for God. That we are a holy people. First Peter 2.9, you don't have to go there right now, but just mark it down in your Bibles. 1 Peter 2.9 says that you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God for a purpose, that you, church, may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. It says at one time you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. See, that's where the holiness becomes practical. As we've been set apart as a church, we are the holy people who are to live a life that brings glory to the Lord. And that's where it gets challenging. Because to be holy means to go against the current tide of popularity. To be holy means to swim upstream because a stream is flowing down into destruction. Holiness means walking in light. To be the salt and light of the world. To be holy means to be set apart, that people actually see that you're different. I think it's the challenge of Christianity today and why people are walking away from the church is because the church and society are getting too closely aligned. And the church, in an effort to reach more people, 
has taken on too many principles of the world and we're no longer salt and light. And we look too much like the world. So why would I want to be a part of that? And it's not just what happens here on Sunday morning because I'll tell you, the church is not a building. It's how each of us, myself included, live our lives throughout the week. Oh, you're one of those church people. I thought you'd be different. We say we're Christian. We're followers of Christ. The church is built in the saving name of Jesus. Church is people. Sometimes the New Testament uses the word church to speak of all of God's people around the world. It's called the universal church. And here at Gloria Day, we are part of a manifestation of the universal church here in this locality called Nassau Bay. Both terms are valid, the universal church, a local church. The Christian church is both universal and local, includes all true believers around the world. The church also manifests itself in millions of local congregations around the world. The word for church in the Greek is called ekklesia. That's what the Bible uses. It literally means an assembly called out. So we are the holy, set-apart people who profess the name of Jesus, who assemble together to be called out into this world. It's a gathering of believers, of people called by God who confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. But here's what I want you to know. The church in the New Testament never refers to a building. It refers to people. Additionally, the the church is not a denomination. Sometimes you speak of the Lutheran church or the Baptist church or the Catholic church or a non-denominational church. That's, That's a valid use of the English word church, but it's not the meaning found in the New Testament. You see, denominations are actually human organizations that allow groups of churches to work together, maybe not work together. It's not a bad concept. It's not wrong to be part of a denomination, but the New Testament doesn't use the word church in a particular, particular way. You see, when, when Peter confessed his faith in Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus replied, I tell you, Peter, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome her. You see, the Bible tells us that Christ is the head of the church, and that we as a church are his body. But here's what Satan does. He tirelessly works to separate Christ from the church and the church from Christ, knowing that if he severs the head, the body dies. But the promise we have in this text is that Satan will never win. You see, when Jesus died and he rose again, he he illustrated for us and he proved to us that he's powerful over sin, death, and has victory over the devil. Yeah, local church is open and local church is closed, but the universal church will never fail. And so as we make this confession, the Apostles' Creed, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, it's not only a universal church, it's manifested in us, the local congregation. 
The church is established by Christ, united by Christ, built by Christ. So you wanna find a church? You're looking for the wrong things. You're looking at the building, the people, the pastor, the coffee, type of coffee and donuts are served. If you're shopping for a church, look to Christ. Find a church where it, the word is proclaimed in its purity. Where the word of God is taught as the inspired, infallible word of God. Look for a church that proclaims the forgiveness of sins based only on Jesus Christ, not on works. Look to find a church where the, the word is proclaimed, the sacraments are administered. There you will find Christ's church. Do, do you remember the song? Remember this one? The church is not a building. The church is not a steeple. The church is not a resting place. The church is the people. I am the church. You are the church. Y'all know y'all want to sing with me, but you're not going to because you're embarrassed by kids especially. We are the church together. Let me tell you something about that. That is both a problem and a challenge, and it's a blessing and hope. Let me tell you, as a pastor, if I didn't have to deal with people, church would be a breeze. <laughs> so let me just ask you a question, and it's okay to show, raise your hands. Just don't do it too uh, aggressively and don't call out my name, okay? And this is honest, this is, think about all your years in, in different churches. Have you ever been disappointed by a church, raise your hand. Yeah. Have you ever been angry at a pastor? You are kind, I know some of you are just wanting to raise your hand up, but you're not going to. Have you ever been upset at a decision the governing board made or the senior pastor made? Oh, yeah. Y'all are not telling me the truth. I've gotten some emails from some of y'all, so don't even be telling me that you haven't. <laughs> Have you ever been hurt by what someone said or did to you at the church? Have you ever been so angry that you left the church to attend another. Eugene Peterson said, there are no successful churches. There are instead communities of sinners gathered before God week after week in towns all over the world. In these communities of sinners, one of the sinners is called pastor. You see, the local manifestation of the universal church is a body of believers who've been called out assembled together to live as Christ's body. So inside every local church, here's what you're gonna find. You're gonna find wonderful people. You're gonna find caring people. You're gonna find grace-filled people. You're gonna find generous people. You're gonna find people of hospitality. 
You're gonna find people who are hurting, who are struggling, who are grieving. You're gonna find people who are just trying to hold it together and they're living day by day, week by week. You're gonna find people who are trying to grow in their faith and love for Jesus and it's hard. But you know what you also find at church? Opinionated people, difficult people, cranky people, grumpy people, mean spirit, don't be looking at nobody. <laughs> mean spirited, I can see all kinds of stuff, y'all, it's amazing. Mean spirited people, arrogant people, insecure people, critical people, angry people, I could go on and on and on. And if you doubt these people exist in your church, just take a look in the mirror. Me too, they're there. You see, we are all sinners in need of God's grace. And because a church is filled with people, those sinners may let you down every once in a while. And you as a sinner may let someone else down every once in a while. But we live by God's grace. That is the confession that Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I'm not gonna give up on the church because of that. One writer said it this way, to live up above with the saints that we love, that will be glory. But to live down below with the saints that we know, that's another story. But if people are the problem, they're also the hope and the blessing of the church. You see, take away the people, there is no church. So the Apostles' Creed challenges us to set aside our misconceptions, our frustrations, our expectations of the perfect church. You know, you heard that before. If you find the perfect church, don't join it because you'll mess it up. The Apostles' Creed is helping us make the confession that I believe in the holy Christian church. I believe that with all her faults and failures and her misconceptions and struggles and, and sinners in need of God's grace, there I'm gonna find grace. There in that church, I'm gonna find Jesus. I'm gonna find his word spoken and taught and his ministers, his sacraments administered. Even when the church lets us down, even when the pastor says something that really irritates you. Man, y'all know I love you. The longer I'm here, the greater the chance that it is for me to offend every one of you. I talk a lot. And sometimes I say things I didn't mean or they come out the wrong way. And guys, you know what I'm talking about. As soon as you say something, you're like trying to reach that word and stuff it back in, you just can't do it. We need to say that I believe in the Holy Christian Church and the community of saints just as we need to say I believe in Jesus Christ. 
We need to affirm the fact that the church exists because God built it. That this all too human institution will fail us because it is fallible human beings, sinners in need of God's grace and forgiveness. But it's still worth believing in, it's still worth attending, it's still worth being a part of because God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit is all involved. Glory Day Lutheran Church. I'll close with this. It's our name. And it certainly gives us our identity. I want you to think about Glory Day Lutheran Church in three ways. Glory Day, Lutheran, Church. Glory Day is a, is a wonderful part of our name. Anybody know what that means in Latin? Oh, come on, you can talk. Glory of God. It's a Latin for the glory of God. That per portion of our name identifies us that we're here to give God the glory. That we as an assembly of believers have been set apart holy, called out to be the glory of God. It identifies our congregation and gives an identity to what we're all about. And then I love when I go to pastor's conferences and other guys other give me a hard time. Hey, it's Pastor Dan. Well, actually, this is Pastor K all the time. Glory day from Nassau Bay. Yeah, put your Texas accent away. I mean, give it up. Lutheran. Yes, it ties us to historical denominational identity as a Lutheran church, Missouri Synod. And because of that, we have certain doctrines and beliefs that comes straight from scripture. It identifies what we believe and how we live it out. But I would argue the most important part of our name is the word church. It's the focus of our labors. You see, we're the local manifestation of the universal church. We are an assembly to be called out for the glory of God, who confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior. This is God's church. And because he's the head and we're the body, we belong to him. And Christ says that he's gonna build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against her. Where Peter's confession is found in the church, that is the local manifestation of the universal church. And where that confession is proclaimed, there you will find the communion of saints who are also sinners myself included, in need of the grace of God. And so our job is to work toward depth in ministry. God takes care of the breath. God's gonna add to our number. Church belongs to Christ, her head, and he establishes it. He unites it, he grows it. He builds it. 
Christ's head were his body. And as the body of Christ, each of us has different responsibilities and gifts and talents that we can serve within this body. Y'all, we are better and stronger together as a communion of saints. But it's hard when we don't show up. We don't meet together. I just want to tell you why this pandemic was so difficult. Whether you're gathered in person, you're gathered online. It's important that we gather together in communion, in fellowship, in support, and encouragement. Do you know that QR code outside that y'all hate so much? That some of you just blow past and act like you're gonna check in later? Can I just tell y'all something? That has nothing to do with COVID has absolutely zero to do with COVID. Has zero to do with contact tracing, has zero to do with anything else other than the fact that I wanna know that you're here. I'm gonna invite the band up. I wanna know that you're here, why? Because I care about you. You're the body of Christ, you're the assembled church the local manifestation of the universal church, there's no way that I can know who's here, who's not here. And so when you're not here, you're missed. That, that QR code literally is just to let us know that you're here and that, and if you're not here, I'd love to find out what's going on. What I love now, we're turning back a little bit of normalcy. Y'all are getting back into your regular seats, your assigned seats that you think you own. I mean, I, I got that. And it's easier to take attendance now. I know who's here and who's not here based on which section you're sitting in. I literally can tell who's here and who's not, okay? But because you sit in the same seat every Sunday, what would happen if today as the body of Christ, as the assembled church, you actually talk to the person next to you, not in a weird way, find out their name and maybe their phone number or email. So when they're not here the following week, you call them. You send them a text. Hey, he missed you. Because you're a part of the body of Christ. You're part of the holy Christian church, the community of saints, and I, I missed you. You know, that's gonna go so much further than any phone call that I'll ever make. And so please get over yourself and just use a QR code. Or give me a better way to do it. And don't tell me connection cards in the pews. Those didn't work either. Help me figure out how we do this together as the assembled believers. Because I'm tell you guys, we're better together. Universal church can be divided in wicked times, but it will prevail. The leaders in the universal church, they can fail, but the church will prevail. Sometimes the services are, are dull, boring. Based on my timer, I'm already way past my time, so the sermon's gonna be too long and tiresome, and you're like, oh. Sometimes we don't sing a song that you like, or we sing it too fast, or we sing it too slow, or it's too loud, or it's too soft. Or we repeated that verse, but we didn't do that verse. Do y'all know that the church will still prevail even among that? 
The church is gonna prevail, not because simply anything we say or do, because Jesus said so. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray for the church. I want you to pray for your pastors and your staff. I want you to pray for your leaders. And I want you to love your church. Even with all our faults, even with all our struggles. Because you know, um, it's hard to invite a friend when you're bad-mouthing the church. It's hard when you go out to lunch and you're having roasted pastor and the couple next to you is hearing about your church and they ask, where do you go? Oh, glory to I'll never go there. Join the church. Serve in the church. Can I tell you, we're, we're struggling with finding community assistants and ushers. We're struggling with finding greeters and people who will just step up simply to serve. Man, I love this place, and I love y'all. Let's do this together. We're stronger. We're better together. Support the church. The generosity that y'all do is amazing. Get involved. Why? Because Jesus is here. Because we are part of the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints. To God alone be the glory. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope God used this time to turn your heart more towards him. Be sure to check out Glory Day online at gdlc.org for next steps you can take. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at GDLC Houston as we help more people live life with Jesus every day.